For our scripture reading today, we're going to be looking in the book of John, the fifth chapter, uh, verses 18 through 30. So if you have a Bible with you, if you'd open it there, if you don't, there should be one in the pew in front of you, or if you just want to simply listen to the Word of God. John 5. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, he was also calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to those he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he is passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and they will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Let's pray. Father, it's hard to imagine um, what it was like for those in that day when they saw you walking among them, when they saw Jesus Christ give sight to the blind, open deaf ears, heal withered hands, make the lame to walk again, even raising from the dead. And yet some hearts were so hard that they could not believe that you were God in the flesh. I thank you that for those of us who are here, you did that. You were willing to come as a man and show us the Father in the flesh. I thank you that you didn't hesitate but went to the cross to pay for our sins. And each one of us now have you living in our hearts and look forward to one day that resurrection, whether we are raptured to be with you or whether we die and you resurrect us from the grave, one day we will 
have new bodies and be before you, and we will have your righteousness because of what you've done, nothing that we deserve, but only because of what you did and the free gift of your salvation to us. Just pray that you would bless your word this morning. Open our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here at Hope Bible Church. Glad you could be with us on this day. Before we get started, I want to mention, and we mentioned this last week, but Rafael Sanchez, the pastor of the other church, the Spanish church, will be here at the end of my message just to share a few things. Really a thanks to us for being with us and and just the, the, all that's happened here, the ownership of the property and things. So he'll be coming here right at the end, just so you know that. Then we'll have our closing and our Matthew meal. I want to just mention a couple of things. I don't always do this, but I think most of us know that there's a lot of really pretty crazy things going on in the world today. But sometimes I want to share and then give perspective. But I just listened to the news this morning, watched it. That is just a couple of things there. But in the last fiscal year, that is from September... October to September this past year, last two months, 2.5 million people came in across the borders. That's a lot. A thousand every day are gotaways. That is, they have no record, no idea. They just sort of estimate and there's a thousand coming across every day. And then, a new record, there's 179 known terrorists came across the border too. It says, wow, this is something. What, what helps me not go insane is the Lord and his word. I just want to read a couple of verses. Uh, these, these really help me. This is big picture stuff. We have to see the big picture. Daniel was a man who understood the big picture probably as much as any, any godly man in the past. And, and he was, as we read the text, was overwhelmed by the things that he was learning from the Lord. But Daniel 2, verse 20, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. That first phrase of verse 21, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. And before our eyes, God is changing the times and the epochs. Things are changing in this country. Things are changing in this world, unlike anything I have ever seen before. And so then we continue. It is he reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to me, made known to us the king's matter. As I think about this, what encourages me is that we have the Lord, okay? We have his word. We have one another, this is important. Like Steve sort of said, how can anybody make it, you know, in life without the Lord? I, I don't know. God is so kind and gracious to give us himself and one another and his word. What also helps me is knowing, let's go on to Daniel 2.44, some, some, summary verse here. The days of those kings, talking about the kings in the end times, and the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to end all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So this is our hope. This, this is what we look forward to. We know this is happening. There are different kingdoms vying for power in our world today. You can read about it. You understand it, what's going on, but this is what's going to happen. And God tells us this, and this is what's encouraging. We live in a, what's called the present evil age, Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. 
But after this age is over, and I don't think it'll be too long before this age is over, we will then move on to the kingdom age, a thousand years of glory. Remember that song we just sang? I see the Lord, says the world is filled with his glory. That's what that verse is really referring to. It's not the, the world's not filled with God. In one hand it is, but not like it's going to be. It's going to be filled with the glory of God like we have never seen it before. That's in the kingdom age to come. And so, but for us, what we need to do is keep going through the word of God. I want to look at a particular subject today that I believe is very important. A few, few weeks ago, we were focused on the gospel, on the good news that God was working in us, saving us through the work of the Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is truly good news because it means that we are members of the kingdom of God and that we have eternal life. And eternal life is this personal and eternal relationship that you have with God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. And we were born again, and now we're spiritually alive in, in Christ Jesus, looking forward to that time when we're physically alive which takes place when Christ comes back, the day of Christ, that time will be glorified. Wonderful news that God gives us. Salvation is body, soul, and spirit. That's what it is. But today we want to look at a, a subject, and I've never talked about this subject before, and in some ways I feel like it's way, way over my head, and it is. But I want to at least look at some of the verses in the Word and, and give you a glimpse of some of the things I believe I'm learning, but there's so much here. We want to look at the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. We often talk about our relationship with each other. We talk about our relationship with God and Christ. But no, we want to talk about relationship with the Father and between the Father and the Son. And it's the Gospel of John that just really hits this home much more than any other book by far. And we will see, you'll see this. You'll see that their ultimate purpose for each other, for one another, is that each one is glorified. That is the theme that comes through time and time and time again. So it's, so I was trying to think, how do we apply this to our lives? I'm not really sure, but it gives us a picture of, of God himself, the Godhead, uh, unlike, I believe, many of you have ever seen before. We're going to go into John 5, where Steve read, just a couple more verses to read there, and then we'll share a few thoughts, a lot of different passages to look at. John chapter 5, verses 19 to 23, and then verse 30. John 5, verse 19 says, Therefore Jesus answered with saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he, he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but, the, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Then verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will but the will of him who sent me. So what do we learn from these verses about Jesus and his fathers? A number of things. First, we see that the father loved the son. And the father's love for the son was a constant love. It was a perfect love. It was an eternal love. It was an infinite love. It was an agape love, a special love, a supernatural love, a, a spiritual love that he had. And here, in this context, we see that his love for his father's love for his son is seen and that he wanted to share his purposes with the son, and that's what he did. The father shared all his purposes with the son. Second, we see the humility of Jesus. 
He was totally humble before his father. It says there, the son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees his father doing. Jesus was never independent of his father. He did nothing on his own. He only did what the father wanted him to do. Third, there's perfect communication between the father and the son. They were communicating all the time. Jesus knew what the Father was thinking, and the Father knew what Jesus was thinking because they were communicating. They were expressing their love for one another, communicating about the plans that they had, plans for the future, the works that they wanted to do. And I'm sure they talked about man and his sin. In eternity past, the Father, the Son, talking about how Jesus then would come down to die on the cross to pay for our sin, but yet the Father would raise him up from the dead. The Father then would give life to all those people who would believe in him, who put their faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he paid for their sin. I'm sure they talked about the future, about all they were going to do, and they talked about these greater works. You see, in eternity path, there's just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together, a wonderful union, a wonderful relationship they had, these three. But there's these greater works, and God had planned these out. God had communicated these to the Son. And so I'm sure they talked about those too, that they were going to fulfill these, and starting then with, with really, uh, since creation, but really elevated to the time of Jesus Christ. Fourth, Jesus was obedient to the Father. They were doing all this communication, and the Son knew exactly what his Father wanted him to do, and he did it. There's, there's a verse in Psalm um, 119.44. I shall keep your law continually. You, you think about this. Here's Jesus Christ on earth, and he always kept doing all that his father wanted him to do. He always obeyed everything in his word and things that aren't in his word that we know the father communicated to him. It's really, truly amazing. Psalm 40 is a, is a verse there, a little phrase. says, I delight to do thy will, O God, and that's the son with the father. He loved to do what the father wanted him to do. John eight forty two says, I have not come in my own initiative, but he sent me. And, of course, the Father sent the Son so the Son could do what the Father wanted, so the Son then could obey him. And it was perfect obedience. Jesus never, Jesus did everything the Father wanted him to do, and he did it lovingly, he did it willingly, he did it excitedly, he did it wholeheartedly, he did it completely. You see, Jesus was giving his life to those who would believe, just like the Father was giving life, we read that. And Jesus would judge those who didn't believe. So Jesus was giving life to those who would believe, and he was judging those who didn't believe. And so what we have to understand with the big picture here is all of Jesus' obedience, all his actions related to those who are saved or to those who are lost. That's it. That's really, that was his focus. And in fact, we need to think that way too. Our life should be revolved. Hey, we are living for the Lord by living for people, whether they are saved or lost. And of course, the most important way that Jesus obeyed his Father was by dying on the cross. The Father, of course, wanted Jesus to die for us, and Jesus wanted to do that too. He perfectly carried out his Father's will. I, I, I can't help but think that, that one, one statement of Jesus on the cross there, you know it, John 19, 30. And he, and he says to the Father, he says, it is finished. And it's for people to hear, but most importantly, he was telling the Father, I did it. I did the work of dying for the sins of people on the cross. I did it. It is completely, completely finished. Fifth, we see the perfect unity between the Father and the Son. They were united in every single thing. This is amazing. Perfect unity, thoughts, words, and actions. 
They never disagreed on one single thing. Indeed, they were father and son, two different people, but they were one in purpose, one in character, one in mind, one in love. That's what we understand. Six, we see that God the Father and his son's primary purpose Important to know that this is the, maybe the key point. Of the, their primary purpose was that each one would be glorified. That's what they wanted. They wanted each one to be honored and worshipped. That was their heart's desire. And we see that, that Jesus would be honored for many things, but primarily because of what he did by dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. But what it says here, and this is very important here, is it says that, that it was not like, well, the point is, it's not like the Father or the Son would, one would get more glory than the other. What he says there is, quote, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. You see this, this in some ways, this equality of honor and glory, even though the, the Father was more in charge and directing, but so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. But you see something else here, and you only see it in, in Christianity. Many religions just talk about God, right? You know that. But they don't talk about the Son. They don't talk about Jesus Christ, or they may talk about him, but they don't talk about him as being the Son of God, as being God in the flesh, as Jesus being both God and man. They don't say that. They don't believe that. The, you might you follow this war in Israel. There's the Hezbollah uh, party in, in, in Lebanon, and they're really a terrorist group. Hezbollah, if you think about the last few letters of that word, you know, like Allah, Hezbollah. What it really means is party of God or party of Allah. That's what it means. That, that's, you know, they're, they're political, they're religious, they're all that combined. Very evil in, in many, many ways. But, but the point I'm saying here is Muslims don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. They might believe that he's a prophet. But this is important to understand. And, and these religions then might give honor or, quote, so-called honor to God, but they do not honor the son. And that's what you see coming out verse after verse I'm going to be sharing today. Honor goes to the Father, and honor goes to the Son. That goes to both. And so Jesus makes it clear then that if you don't honor the Son, if you don't honor me, you're not honoring the Father. That's what he's saying. You, ha you honor me, and you honor the Father. That is the way it goes. And so the Father and the Son then, are, 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 they go together, of course. You can't ever separate them, and you can't honor one more than the other. That's not how it goes. So we see this, this emphasis on honor and glorifying one another. John 6.44, turn there. John 6.44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's the Father. It's the Father. It is the Father who draws people to Jesus Christ, and the only way a person can be saved is if Jesus draws that person to, to Christ. And, of course, we know this is through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus, of course, he, he understood this. He understood that he was fully dependent on the Father then to bring people to himself. That's just the way it worked. And what we see in the text is that Jesus kept wanting to give recognition and honor to God for who he is, who he was, and, and, and also for what he did recognizing the Father is the one who draws people to myself. That's what, that's what he was saying in that verse. We continue. Turn to, turn to John 7, 16 to 17. John chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. 
If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. Again, we see Jesus' humility, Jesus saying that his teaching, and this means all, that, all his teaching. We, if you have a red letter you know, edition of the Bible, you see his teaching there in the Gospels. But all his teaching, there's many things that aren't recorded here in the Bible. All his teaching is from God. It's not his. God gave him the teaching. God told him what to say. And Jesus was saying this because he wants his Father to be glorified. Again, that is his ultimate purpose. Christ's ultimate purpose is that his Father is glorified. Jesus loves his Father. He wants his Father to be honored and worshipped and, and praised and glorified. That, that's what he really wants. And Jesus, in this text here, wants us to know two of the things, that his Father is true. That is, his Father is filled with truth. We think about the world. There's all kinds of air, all kinds of things that are wrong, all kinds of unrighteous things. And, and God is filled with truth. He's filled with truth. All the truth of the word and other truths we don't even know about. He is, he is one who is of truth and he's one who is righteous, completely holy, completely sinless, righteous in, in every way. It says, I was just reading this yesterday, Psalm 89, that justice and righteousness is the foundation of the throne of God. Foundation. It's essential. That's who the Father is. He's true and he's righteous. We continue on, John 7, 28. John 7, 28 and 29. It says, Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Those, those, those few words are powerful, though. I know him. I know him. Jesus knew the Father, and he knew him perfectly so. It says that he had come from him. Of course, we know they had been together since eternity past. That means for all eternity, they're together. He knew the Father inside and out. And Jesus, again, knew the Father because he had been with them. And so then they had this perfect relationship, a relationship that was built on love and truth and purpose and on unity. John 8, 8, 19. John 8, 19. So they were saying to Jesus, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father. Again, we see the equating of truth about both Jesus and, and, and the father here. That's what we see. Is Jesus makes it clear that if you know him, then you know the father. You know him. And that makes sense because Jesus and the father, they both all have the same character. They have the same purpose. They you know, live by the same truth. And so that's what Jesus said. And we understand this. Jesus came into the world. Why? To reveal the Father to us, to reveal himself to us. That's what he did. You know me. You know what the Father is like. That's what he was saying there. Go back to John 8, 15 and 16. You judge according to the world. I'm not judging according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Again, here we see the unity of the Father, and it relates to judgment. What were they about? They were about judging. And it's a Father's will that Jesus would judge people on this earth. We see this judgment in two different ways, of course, to the believers and the unbelievers. Second Corinthians chapter 5 talks about how God will judge the believers. This is at the end of this age, when Christ comes back. We also understand that God will judge the unbelievers. This is the end of the millennial kingdom age. Revelation chapter 20, the end of that chapter, talks about the great white throne, throne judgment. So they're united in judgment. 
And we don't always think about that. If people understood more that God will judge us for what we do, and of course as Christians we've been judged that our sin has already been judged, but we'll be judged for our righteous deeds because God wants to reward us for that. We continue on, John chapter 8, 28 and 29. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Again, you, you get a sense of the, the richness and the power of these words and the relationship that the Father had with the Son. But what we see here is that Jesus, again, we sort of said this before, speaks what the Father gives him to speak. He doesn't say anything on his own, but only what the Father wants him to say. John chapter 12, 49 and 50 tells us the same thing. John 12, 49 and 50, end of the chapter there, the last two verses, says, I did not speak on my own initiative. Isn't it amazing? You think about this. You, you have, I assume you say probably thousands of words every day, hundreds at least, thousands. I mean, does Jesus to say this, I mean, he spoke all these words. He said nothing but what the Father wanted him to say. It's, it's a truly, a truly amazing thing. The Father, who sent, Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. The NIV says what to say and how to say it. That is, Jesus knew what to say. He knew how to say it. Verse 50, I know that his commandment is eternal life, and therefore the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. This is amazing. Jesus said what the Father wanted him to say. Second, we see the Father's always with the Son. Always with the Son. Never left the Son. And this, this had to be very encouraging to Jesus because he knew that he was always with the Father and the Father was always with him. Now, we might debate, well, when Jesus was on the cross dying for our sins, was he with them then? And in a sense, he was, and in a sense, he was not. In a sense, he was not because he could not communicate with the Son because his Son was having his wrath poured out, the Father's wrath poured out upon him. But again, he was with them. And, and I want to go to Psalm 16 verses 8 to 11 Psalm chapter 16 verses 8 through 11 speak about this and I believe he was thinking of the father Jesus was thinking of the father when he's on the cross 16 verse 8 I've set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken now, Jesus, of course, he sure didn't feel good, did he? His emotions might have been all over the place, but he said that by faith. He's at my right hand. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. He knew he was going to die, but he knew he wouldn't be abandoned. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Finally, you will make known to me the path of life in your presence of fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. So he's thinking of the hope, what he'd go through, the Father with him, but that fact that, again, that he'd be with him forever. And God would bless him for his work for us and bringing him and glory as well. Continue on here. Go to John, back to John. Again, our focus today is on all these verses in John, which... Again, more than any other book in the Bible highlights this, this amazing relationship that the Father has with the Son. John 16, verse 32. Behold, an hour has come, 
and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Another verse that Jesus speaks, and the Father indeed is with him. The third, as we've said before, Jesus always did what, what pleased the Father. He always did exactly what the Father wanted him to do. He always did what honored the Father. I mean, it's, it's amazing. His, you think about Jesus' life, and, 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 and the, the one thing we can learn from this here is that Jesus was always focused on the Father. He was with the people and doing things with the people, but in his mind all the time was his, his, his Father in his heart, this relationship, and he was thinking about him, and, and they were communicating back and forth, and the Spirit of God was enabling this relationship to continue. And, and so you see this, this relationship, and might this be true for us as we go through life? Might, you know, the Father be in our heart, in our minds, and thinking about the Father and loving the Father and listening to the Father as he speaks to us through his word and, and through his spirit. John eight forty nine and 50, there it says, Jesus says, I honor my Father. Many phrases like this, but this simple one here. Again, we see that, his, that Jesus' purpose was to honor his Father. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he did. And they had then this perfect relationship one with the other. Continue on, go back to John 8, 4, 8, 4, 54 rather. John 8, 54. Again, in, in, important and interesting verse about glory. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. So here is Jesus saying, you know, I'm not going to glorify myself. But it's the Father that glorifies me. And that's what happened. That indeed is, is what happened. And what we're seeing then is, is, is in, in this whole, pa- all these passages, is that the Father and the Son are glorifying each other. That's what's taking place. The fa- Son is glorifying the Father, and the Father is glorifying the Son. Turn to John chapter 17. This, this communicates this as, as well as any passage. John chapter 17, 1 through 5. John 17, 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Isn't that interesting? You glorify me, and I'll glorify you. We see that theme, the mutual desire to glory the other one. And, of course, what he's talking about in the context is, hey, I'm going to be dying on the cross pretty soon. So it's a specific way to glorify him and that he'd be dying, but then he'd be raised again from the dead. We continue, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. As you might know, that's one of my favorite verses is how do we glorify God? We glorify it in, 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 in our words, in our praise, in our songs, in our worship, but we also glorify God by doing the work that he wants us to do. And this just motivates me because I'm always thinking, okay, God, what work is it you want me to do today? What work this week? I mean, we should think that way. Ephesians chapter 2, very, very, very important verse, 210. We are as workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God planned beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has given us work to do. He planned it out way back, way back before this world was ever made to do these works. And so we should have this same heart. But here's Jesus' heart. He wanted, he wanted them to, 
glorify his Father. Let me go to verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world. So we see a couple things there. One is they, they, they had glory together before the world was ever made. There was glory going on. And, and one of the reasons, I'll just say this at this point, one of the reasons they created the world is so more people could see and experience and understand the glory of God. People say, why did he create the world? Why is there so many problems? Because God wanted his glory, his full manifestation of his glory, that is his love, his mercy, and his justice and his holiness to be seen. Every facet, that's what he wanted, okay? Way, way back. That, that's it. The Father and the Son to be glorified. But what he says here, he says, he says, I had this glory, Father, glorify me together with yourself. So again, we see this unity, this unity of part, this, this unity of, of glory. Glorify me together with yourself. Again, I, I, I can't understand all this. I just, I read this and I sort of understand it, but not much. But again, it's, it's way, sort of way beyond us, but it's here. This amazing relationship, this, this picture of the Godhead, the Father and the Son, and the relationship they had. And as you'll you probably note here, there's not much about the Spirit. And, and I'm sure the Spirit was involved. I don't think the Spirit was left out. But, but the focus indeed is on the Father and the Son. That's what you see, and some might ask, well, why is that? I'm not sure I know the answer. Why is there not more verses about the Holy Spirit? There is, but not as many as there are about the Father and the Son. And so, the primary purpose of the Father and the Son is that they glorify one another. That's it. Primary purpose, ultimate purpose of God in this world. Yes, to save sinners, but that was then to bring glory to God the Father and God the Son. So we have to see this big picture, and that's what we're talking about today is this, this glory. And, of course, this then should motivate us to want to glorify the Father and the Son. John 12, 23. Continuing on this theme, 12, 23, Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And again, Jesus was being glorified throughout his life here on this earth, his 30 years, and then his three years of ministry, being glorified in different ways. But ultimately, primarily so, we now see it in that he would be dying on the cross. And, and Jesus knew then that dying on the cross would result in both him and his father receiving glory. So again, you think about this. It wasn't like, Jesus, I'm going to die on the cross and get a lot of glory. He knew that. But he also knew this. He says, hey, hey, the Father's going to get glory. And what he understood is that people would be saved. You know, all these people, back in the Old Testament times, New Testament times, people would be getting saved, and these people who were saved would do what? What's our primary objective, our goal? To give glory to God the Father and God the Son. And, and that's what you and I do here. We've been doing it already, singing and hearing the Word of God, and this should be our primary objective. We want to continue to give honor to glory, glory to the Father and the Son. John 12, 28. Jesus says, Father, glory. He's talking to his Father. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So again, Jesus was asking this. God, glorify, glorify your name. And again, it's your name, which means the character of God, all that God is and all that God does. Name is one of those big words that covers a whole lot of things. Glorify your name. Exalt your power and your wisdom and your holiness and your might and your justice and your love. Exalt all these things. 
you need to be glorified because of this. And then as it goes on to say, I have glorified it, and I will, I will glorify it again. And so you see this, this past, present, future truth here about glory is the father was always thinking about the glory of, of himself, of course, and the glory of his son as, as well. And so again, we, we, we see that Jesus knows the father. He knows him intimately. Look at John 14. And I had, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, I'm really skimming over these verses today. There's a lot of truth here. We're going really fast. Maybe I could take more time, but you, you, I say that because you'll see how many verses are on this subject, and we continue. John 14, 7, if you'd known me, you would have known my Father. Also, from now on you know him and have seen me. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? And that, that's an interesting verse. You don't believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. These are spiritual words, not physical. We are so physically minded. You don't think physically. This is spiritual relationship and unity of the Father and the Son. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So again, we see this. It's a relationship between the Father and the Son. Go to John chapter 9. John 9, 3 and 4. Very interesting verses that I, I believe in sometimes we can apply to our lives. This person was blind from birth. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he had be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. It doesn't mean that the parents for this blind person did not sin, but you've got to see the big picture. The ultimate purpose of God is so that God's work would be displayed in him, and then what results from God's work being displayed in him is that God then is glorified. That, that, that's what he's saying. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So think about this. That, that's a good verse for your life. A lot of things happen. Some things good, some things not so good, some things extremely hard. Why? It's so that the works of God might be displayed. That's what it is. So remember that. You're going along, and man, that's a hard trial. Uh, Lord, get me out of this. It's so the works of God might be displayed in and through you, and God then would get the glory. That's what we understand. John 10, we continue on, 37, 38. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Interesting verse. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, Jesus was doing the work of the Father. And the work that he was doing, he wanted the people to know that it was the Father doing his work through him. The Father doing his work through Jesus. He wanted the people to know that he and the Father were totally united and all that was all he was doing. Very important, because they would say, hey, this Jesus isn't God. No, I am God, and I'm doing the works of God, and you need to believe me. If you believe me, you believe the Father, too. Again, this package deal, so to speak, if I can say it that way, between the Father and the Son always working together. That's what they were doing. And so 
Again, it's so the Father, all this is so the Father and the Son are both glorified. Both glorified by the works Jesus is doing. So here's the Son on the earth, and he's doing all these works, and, and Jesus gets glory, and the Father gets glory. So the works that Jesus did are for both the glory of the Son and the glory of the Father. Turn to John. Well, right, it should be right there. John 11, 4. Same page or next page. Jesus heard this. Again, well, verse 3. The sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. That's phileo. Okay, now, again, I'll just mention this briefly here. The word love there is, is, is phileo, relational love. That is, Jesus knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus quite well. They were friends. They hung out together. Jesus heard this. He said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. See that? The application is, is so clear. Lazarus was sick. And Jesus was going to, of course, we know the story, heal him, raise him up from the dead. And the Father then would get glory through that. But this applies to us too. You're sick. You've got problems. You've got difficulties. It's so primarily so the Son of God can be glorified. That's it. That's the primary other secondary reasons, but we must go back, and that's what we're doing today, going back to the primary reasons that things happen. A powerful, powerful verse there. Go to verse 40, and this is the key for us here, the application. On this point, Jesus said to her, talking to Martha, and I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. God wants you to see his glory. God wants you to know his glory. God wants you to glorify him because he is glorious. And the key is what? Clearly said there. It's faith. Did and I, I memorized this verse from 30 years ago, and I applied a lot. Did I not tell you? And you're going through some tough time. Did I tell you, Steve? If you believe in this situation, you'll see the glory of God. Okay, okay, I got it. That's that's the application. It's very simple. God is glorified, and Christ is glorified. John 13:31 and 2. Again, I, so many verses. They're just overwhelming to me. 31 and 2, the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. The Son of Man is glorified. And because the Son of Man is glorified, then the Father is glorified in him. That's what we're seeing. See, again, this, 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 this connecting of, of, of relationship and identity and glory, the Father and the Son. Now we go to John 16. We mentioned the Spirit briefly before. John 16, one of the Spirit's purposes is seen here. John 16, verses 13 and 14. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak in his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So one of the purposes the Spirit has given in verse 13, he's to help us understand the truth of God. Then verse 14, he will glorify me. That's his purpose, too. The Spirit's purpose is to glorify the Son. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. So that's what happens, is the Spirit is revealing the truth about Jesus, and Jesus then is glorified as that happens. John 10. John 10, verses 16 to 18. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life 
so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Again, we see the relationship with the Father and the Son. And Jesus willingly laid down his life because he knew the Father wanted him to do that. He knew that would please the Father. He knew he would glorify the Father as he did that. Which is, again, the example for us. We're to be imitators of Christ, right? Lay down your life. Sometimes you go through and say, oh, I had a sacrifice. I got to give up this time or give up this whatever, given up. Yes. Willingly lay down your life for the Father and for the Son. Then we go to John 10, 29 and 30. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus commended his father. He always spoke positively about his father. Again, we see here that they have this perfect relationship with one another, which is, which is an example. I mean, you think about this. They were perfect. We don't have perfect relationships, but we will in the future. We will. So in conclusion, it's, 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 it's so encouraging to know about the relationship that the father had with the son, talking about the Godhead. And there's so much in here. And though we don't understand it all, it's clear that God wants us to know it because it wasn't just one or two verses. There's many verses, and I haven't even covered them all. But he wants you to think about this, the Father and the Son and their relationship. And with that, then, the fact that we can have a relationship with the Father and the Son as well. John 14, 20. Just a few verses in closing. John 14, 20. Again, we probably spend a whole message on this one verse. And that day you'll know that I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. Three things. I am in my Father. The Son is in the Father. The Father's in the Son. All right, we're in the, we're in the Son, and he's in us. That's it. Three aspects. There's other aspects of this, quote, Trinity. You think about the Father, the Son, and us. We'll see another verse here in the future. But again, this relationship. John 15, 9. John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. Isn't that a, that a powerful verse? Just as the Father has loved me. I mean, we've talked about his love for the Son here. Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. That's something. If you don't feel loved, well, yes, you are loved. Abide in my love. And that's, that's, that's the application here. Abide, remain. Stay in my love, says in Jude 20, 21. Keep yourself in the love of God. Abide in his love. That's what we need to do. That's, 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 that's critical. That's why I get my time, Lord, every day, because I need to get charged up by the love of God. I need it. I need it. I need it. And we all need it. That's what God wants for us. John 17, 22, 24. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. So you see this. He's talking to the Father. The glory which you gave me, Father, I'm giving to them. And so this sharing of glory, and again, glory is is a huge word. Not just one simple thing, but glory. Then verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Then here is our hope, verse 24, 
Here is the future. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. So he wants us to be with him. And what's the primary reason he wants us to be with him? I mean, the main reason we talk about going to heaven and nice up there and all these different things we could say about heaven. The primary reason is so that we could then see the glory of God through Jesus Christ and that we then would give glory back to God. That, that's it. That's it. And so, so if anything, the message should say to you today, man, I, I want to glorify the Father and the Son more. That, that's really the application. I want to honor them more. I want to worship them. I want to love them. I want to be thankful. I want to sing them. All these different things. That This is your purpose, to glorify the Father and the Son. Psalm 34.3 is a verse that we can say to one another and should say here. It says, says, just a little blank. John 34.3, glorify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. And, and, and we could say, and I think we should say, that our primary purpose as a church is right here. Glorify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Giving us many truths about your relationship with the Son. Really amazing. We all admit here that we don't <laughs> completely understand What's going on there? I mean, your relationship, father and son, is way, way above our heads. But you give us a little bit of a, a glimpse into it this morning. And, and I pray that our hearts would be encouraged, knowing that there's a father and a son working together, along with the Holy Spirit, even though we don't know the whole dynamics of how the Spirit works with the Father. But we know that he is intimately connected, related. It's a trinity. But, Father, we thank you for this, and I just pray that really main thing is that we would be worshiping and praising you more and also seeing that what happens in life the things we go through that one verse this sickness will not end in death but is for uh, the glory of God help us to see this father that what we go through day by day little things and big things is is ultimately for your glory that's what it is so God I just pray you help us be more thankful more worshipful more ones father who are just giving you glory day after day after day. So thank you, Father, for this time. Lead us as we go on from here. Just pray for each one here, Lord, that you'd help us in our daily life, in our relationships, in our work. Father, all that happens, that one song I love so much, day by day, we have trials this week. Day by day, you're with us, and we thank you for that through your Holy Spirit. Help us to be thinking about your word, meditating on your word day and night, as it says in Psalm 1 and Joshua 1, 2. Day and night, we need to be thinking about your word. That then is going to be, help us to, to, to live for you. Help us then to give glory to you. I pray for your protection on us, Father. Pray, pray also for Bethel. Thank you for them, Bethel Baptist, Lord, and that, that you've led us in this whole relationship with him, the transfer of the ownership of property. Thank you for that, too. So we just bless you again, Father, for all that you're doing. Lead us. We want to see you be victorious. We sang, are singing two songs today about being soldiers. Help us to see that as we go through this world, indeed, there are things that are difficult, and soldiers, not easy for a soldier. There's tough times. We need to stand up and we need to be strong in you, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you again now. We just want to pray all this in Jesus' name.